0: Welcome back to the Courtside Crossover with Chris Partee. This is episode 30. Appreciate you joining us. As always, we're brought to you by FullPressCoverage.com. Catch us on the Full Press Coverage app, as well as Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and basically wherever else you find your podcast. Catch me, your boy Chris Partee, on Twitter and Instagram, at Chris Partee. That's C-R-I-S-S-P-A-R-T-E-E. I want to get into a couple of different topics real quick. Uh, and we got comebacks galore. Well, two big comebacks, I should say. I want to get into Kyrie Irving, who finally made his debut for the Nets. Klay Thompson should be back over the weekend. I also want we'll to talk about Dirk Nowitzki um, being enshrined, You, sh- I guess you could say, into the Dallas Mavericks, uh, I guess, you know, into the rafters. almost said their Hall of Fame, but, you know, same thing. Uh, had his jersey retired this week. And then I want to talk about Julius Randle as well. Um, but first, let's talk about Kyrie Irving and his comeback. And then uh, we'll throw in Clay Thompson as well here. So Kyrie Irving made his return to the uh, Brooklyn Nets this week, played his first game of the pretty much since last year in the playoffs when he got hurt against the Milwaukee Bucks in that series. So they beat Indiana 129, 121. Irvin put up 22 points, um, shot pretty well from the field. Honestly, didn't look all that rusty, but I guess, you know, he was out playing anyway. I mean, we saw that video of him. I, God, allegedly, it was him out at the park. You know, it's not against NBA players, but out at the park a couple months ago, playing a pickup game um, with no mask, obviously. I mean, you know, whatever it is what it is. Um, so I'm sure he's been playing, right? I'm sure he's been trying to keep his wind up. I think he played like 32, 33 minutes in, this first, in the first game back. And then, of course, their next two games are on the road after that. I think that was uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night he came back. The next two games after that are on the road. I'm sorry, are at home, back at home. Sorry, back at home. So he can't play there, obviously. He can't play in any home games. In New York City. Yeah, I mean, he just brings a whole another. I mean, we know what he brings along. You know, when you add him back into that trio of, of uh, Kevin Durant – and uh, along with James Harden, and then you add in Kyrie Irving, they're going to be a problem. They are going to be a problem. And, I mean, I'll say this again, and I, I, I don't really like doing this, but let's just keep it real. If Kyrie doesn't go down against Milwaukee, Milwaukee's probably not a, the champion right now. They're probably – I'm not saying that the Nets would have been, but I think the Nets finished that series off. They were, they were up 2-0. I mean, they're, they're up 2-0. That should have been done. And then, then you also had uh, Harden tweak his hamstring. So, I mean – And and it went seven anyway. So, I mean, they they were close. But that's in the past. Now they're back. I mean, I think there's only a car. I wrote about it this week uh, for Deadspin. I think there's only one or two ways this is going to go. This is either going to be great, which I doubt, or this is going to be a disaster. I don't know if there's a middle ground. They're either going to win the championship like this with him playing part-time, or it's just going to be a total disaster, which I'm leaning toward disaster at some point. Because here's the thing. Let's say they get to the finals and they play – now, if they play Phoenix or Utah, Utah's not making the finals. I'm just giving an example. Sorry, Jazz fans, Utah's not making the finals. But if they play Phoenix, okay, he can play every game in Phoenix. Hopefully, Phoenix has the home court advantage he gets to play up to four games. But if they play the Warriors, if they get to the – if the Nets get to the finals and play the Warriors, Kyrie Irving will be sitting out the whole – unless something changes between now – and June, when the finals take place, I don't have the dates in front of me, but you know we're back to a regular season now for the most part. Finals are going to be in June. Unless something changes in the next six months, between now and then, Kyrie Irving would be sitting down if it were to be Brooklyn representing the Eastern Conference and the Golden State Warriors representing the Western Conference in the finals. Kyrie Irving would have to, you know, take a powder, coach. I mean, he would have to go sit it down. And then you got every series in, in the East, he's going to miss three to four games every series in the East. Now, first round, they may sweep somebody, so he'll miss two. That's fine. It depends on the matchup, who they get. But he's going to miss at least two games in each series, at least two games in each series in the Eastern Conference. Because they're probably going to finish, they're going to finish top three. The Bulls have really come on, but I think they'll take over the Bulls again for the number one spot. And then you got Milwaukee, who who got hot there for a while after starting slow. They've slowed down a little bit again, but they're still in the mix. Those are going to be the top three teams. I, I you know I want to put Miami up there, but they just can't stay. Jimmy Butler is in and out. I mean, they just they can't stay healthy. You know, they don't really have a superstar. Those other three teams. Well, the Bulls don't really have a. I'm, I'm just not one to just grant someone superstar status, you know, because they played half a season, you know, out of their mind. DeMar DeRozan's great. He's not a superstar. He's a star. He's been a star, not a superstar, but he's playing at an MVP level. So the top three teams in the East right now all have at least a player that's playing either at an MVP level or near it. Very close. Got the Bulls, Nets, Bucks. And then you go down and you got, you know, you where the heat are. You got the heat down there. Um, they just can't see healthy. But if, I saw a video earlier, Victor Oladipo. Like, what the hell is going on with Victor Oladipo? I mean, I hate to get off topic here, but it looks like he's going to be back soon because he's back on the court. But I mean, damn, like. When is he coming back? So, I mean, hopefully the he the, the, the can get him back. He can stay healthy. I mean, but is he going to be the same guy? Is he still capable of coming in and giving you, you know, 18 to 20 a night? I, I don't know. They Because they need someone to come in and do that if Jimmy Butler's going to be in and out of the lineup like that. I mean, Jimmy Butler makes that thing go, especially defensively, but he also gives you, you know, offense. And, I mean, he just has that never-say-die attitude, which the Heat – kind of culture is built on you know what I mean just no nonsense get out there get it done but anyway back to the uh, the Nets and Kyrie Irving yeah I think they'll jump back you know into that number one spot eventually um, the Bulls are just playing out of their minds though but with Kyrie Irving yeah this thing is tough because you know we're, we're basically at the mid, we're not at the all-star break yet the way the NBA season is set up like the, the all-star break is a little bit after the halfway point we're teams are, most teams have played, pretty much almost every team has played about 40 games, 40 to 42 ish games already. So we're at about the halfway point right now. Okay. So with 40 some odd games left, Kyrie's going to play roughly 20 something games, <laughs> if that. Okay. Yeah, roughly. Now you can say, okay, yeah, he'll be rested for the playoffs, but then he's still going to miss games in the playoffs. And if the Nets are going to be a top, if they're the top seed, right? They're the number one or even the number two seed. You get to that, you know, the second round and they have home court advantage over whoever they're going to play. What if it's a game seven? What, what if they? What if the Bulls stay at one and it's the Nets and the Bucks at two and three again, right? I think that's what they were last year. Yeah, because the Sixers were number one. So what if they're two and three again, right? And we get a game seven in Brooklyn. Kyrie's got to sit down again. We know James Harden's history as far as the playoffs go. He can't always be counted on. He just can't. He can't always be counted on to show up. And then last year he was hurt. You know, he he played, but he was nowhere near himself. Nowhere near. And even if he had been, who knows? We've seen him in Houston not always show up when, when the team needed him in the postseason. So what if they get to that game seven? All right, what if it's the Eastern Conference Finals? And they're the number one seed, whoever they play. Game seven, Brooklyn. Kyrie's got to sit down. I mean, Kyrie, you know, he's not the best player on that team. But, I mean, you can make an argument for him being the best closer on the team. Okay? You can make an argument. Now, I'd probably say Durant over him. But I think it's closer than people would like to admit, you know, I don't, you know, I don't agree with everything Kyrie says and does. And I think he's a little, I I, I think he really thinks he's the smartest guy in every room a lot of the time, which I don't really care for that attitude out of anybody, but dude's a great ball player. I think we've seen so far this season, this next team is going to need him. They're going to need, and and that's why I, I know they play well for the most part. Harden is starting to finally come on over the last month, you know, six weeks or so. He started very slow. He's finally up. So I think he's averaging about 22 and a half a game for, from most of the first half of the season. He was, you know, around, you know, 18 ish, 19 somewhere a game. But that's OK if Kyrie's not playing. But when Kyrie's there, not I mean, I'm sorry, if Kyrie's playing James Harden, you know, just being more of a distributor is great. That's fine. But when Kyrie's not there, he needs he, they, they need him to be aggressive. You can't. And Kevin Durant's been playing so many minutes lately that's just not good because you're going to wear him down. Let's not forget it. Yeah, he played last season, but he still had a, a very serious injury not all that long ago, a couple years ago, not all that long ago. You don't want him playing 38, 40 minutes a night this long before the playoffs. You just don't. You don't want that. That's not not good. You want him ready and rested for the playoffs you know able to because you're gonna need that in the playoffs. Okay. You don't December and January, November, December, January, Kevin Garn, I'm sorry, Kevin, uh sorry, Kevin Durant playing 38, 40 minutes a night, and especially when you're not going to overtime. No, you don't want that. So Kyrie Irvin's back. Um but I just don't know I just don't think this is going to work out great because it's gonna come a point and it's gonna be in the postseason. Where it's going to be a. It, this is just how the universe works. Okay, there's going to be a point in the postseason where there's a pivotal game. It could be a game five. It might not even be a game seven. Maybe a game five tied two two. We know how we you know we know the statistics on the team that wins game five. It usually goes on to win. What is it like eighty some odd percent of those series? Whatever it is, I'm probably off a little bit, but it's close. And if that's in Brooklyn, <laughs> they probably going to need him. That's a pivotal game, depending on who they're playing, of course. So I don't think this is going to end well. I don't see it ending in a championship. Now, they may get there. They, they they may be able to thug it out and get there. But if they play the Warriors, now the, the Warriors is probably the only team that they don't want to see, and not because they, they don't match up well, <clears throat> because with Kyrie there, I think they match up pretty well. They don't have the depth. But with the three stars, I think they match up pretty well with the Warriors. I would probably still take the Warriors at this point, just looking at it right now with Clay coming back. Now I have to see how Clay looks. We're gonna get into him in a second here. I have to see how he looks, but that would be the team because if it came down and Brooklyn had the home court event, well, it doesn't matter. Actually, sorry, didn't matter because Kyrie wouldn't be playing in that series, and then You look at it, and it's like, okay, now you're missing one, you know, one-third of that trio of that big three, a real big three. You're missing one-third of that big three, all right? And then you look across, you got Steph. (laughs) You got Clay back. You got Draymond. You got Jordan Poole, who's going to be coming off the bench. And still, I'm telling you right now, down the stretch of this season, Jordan Poole's probably going to average, you know, 22 points a game off the bench. Once Klay – because Klay's going to be a starter. He's probably going to average 20, 22 points a game. He's already up towards that anyway in the starting lineup. So he's going to have free reign on the second team. And then late in games, you're going to have Steph, Clay, Jordan, Jordan Poole, um, Draymond Green, and then whoever else they want to put out there. And you got options. They, get, they got options. They definitely have options because they have depth. They have depth that the Nets do not have. Okay, but that's what happens when you have a big three. You you, It's patchwork. You got to make it work. You got to, you know, kind of stitch it together. All right. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, let's we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. I just don't think – I think it's going to end probably in disaster for uh, this whole Kyrie Irving part-time thing. Um, and then you got Clay Thompson coming back now for the Warriors. Just kind of talked about him a little bit. Clay Thompson will be back. They're targeting Sunday, this Sunday, against the Cleveland Cavaliers for Clay Thompson. I just went into it a little bit there, but um, so many more options. I didn't even mention Andrew Wiggins. So many options. The Warriors got depth. That's it. They have depth. Now, I picked them before the season to compete, and, you know, I said they could be in the, you know, I, I said I could see them in the Western Conference Finals. I'm pretty much firm on that now. Like I've been for a while, but in I, I got laughed at for, for picking it. And I had people try to talk me out of even picking them. But you know, courage of my convictions. I saw what I saw. I watched him. Even at the end of last season, I could see that Jordan Poole was coming on and he was gonna improve. I could see his development would probably carry over. Or else that if it could carry over to the next season, he's gonna be pretty good. I called it before the season. I said he should be averaging somewhere, you know. Round 17 to 19 a game. <clears throat> that's what he's been doing. So, something like that. I, I called that. That's what he's doing. Now, once Clay gets reacclimated, like really gets reacclimated, <clears throat> you got Steph as the number one option. Some nice Clay will be the number one option eventually again. Then you got Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. <clears throat> the less pressure on Andrew Wiggins, the better. He's not a he's not a number one or number two guy. If he can be the number three or four scoring option on a team, which is what he's going to be, he's going to drop to the number three, number four on on pretty much most nights now. Okay, he's still going to give you games where he, you know, he scores 25 or he might score 30. He's going to have games where he only gives you, you know, 12 or 14. But they may be a more impactful 12 or 14. Okay, then. They have been at other times of his career, and then you got the young, the really young guys like Gary Payton II. Okay, phenomenal defender. He's been starting recently because they want to get Jordan Poole acclimated to coming off the bench. So he's been starting recently because they know Clay's coming back. All right, <clears throat> you got him. You got was uh, it Damian Lee? I mean, you you got Andre Iguodala. That's veteran. They don't even really need him to score. Play defense. He'll give you some points here and there, and in the playoffs, he'll have a breakout game or two in a, in a couple different series where he gives you 15, hits a couple threes, and does his thing. But they don't need him to score a lot. Defensive veteran leadership, that's why Andre Iguodala is there. He's in the locker room. He knows how to win. He was with this team during the run. He knows how to win. That's why he's there. Okay, a lot of y'all don't know, but Andre Iguodala was a bad boy back in the day, back in, you know, his first six, seven years when he was with the Sixers, came into the league, he was a bad boy. Well over 20 points per, plus per game. He was a bad boy back in the day. Andre did his thing and a good defender. So he he, he – don't <clears throat> no sleep on on, on, uh, on Iggy there. Don't sleep on him. But the Warriors, they're just going to have so much depth. They already have depth. And they're going to have so much more depth. And I know a lot of y'all – I'm not – I grew up in the Bay. I, you know, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, that area. I grew up there. <clears throat> I'm not a Warriors fan. I didn't grow up a Warriors fan. But – um. So I don't want you to think I'm being a homer because that's I'm the farthest from that ever. But the, the league is on notice, basically. The league is on notice. It's, it's about to get ugly out. It's about to get scary. It's really about to get scary out here. With Klay Thompson back, with his splash brother, Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, the whole crew. They already have... They're already, they're already capable of really spacing teams out already. You bring clay back in that. It just gets that much more detrimental to other teams. I think by the time the playoffs are around, I've already, and I've called this already. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I said this in December, the Western conference finals, you know, as long as two knocking on wood, hopefully COVID don't hit too hard, too much harder. But primarily healthy is going to be Phoenix versus Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Now, we just need to see who's going to have whole-court advantage, basically. That's it. We need to see who's going to be one or two. Utah's close. They're a couple games back right now. Utah doesn't have enough to beat either team in a seven-game series. They just don't. They don't. They don't. The Warriors Warriors will get Utah in five. They might even sweep them, but I, I give them five. In the second round, I'll give them five. They might go six with Phoenix, but even then, Phoenix is good. Now, I'll be honest. I slept on Phoenix a little bit coming into this season. I didn't know if they could duplicate what they did last year, but they're they're doing that. I mean, they I think they lost, like, their first two or three games of the season, and they just went on a, that, what, 17, 18-game win streak to the Warriors. Uh, they beat the Warriors once, then the Warriors came back and beat them to, to end that winning streak. But they're good. They are good. Chris Paul is you know, a renaissance man. Like he, Chris Paul is, is doing it, man. As much as we praise LeBron, I've never been a big Chris Paul fan. I think he's a dirty player sometimes. Um, I think the media likes him though. So you don't hear, you don't, nobody brings it up, but whenever Draymond Green does something, you know, oh, we kicked him in the balls and he did this and he did that. So, but you know, to each his own, but Chris Paul's playing out of his freaking mind. Like, he carried over last season into this season. Carried over last season into this season. And Devin Booker is just becoming – Devin Booker is morphing into, you know, he's a star, but he'll be a superstar at some point. He's not a top five player right now, but he might get there eventually. I mean, he's good. Dude is good. I mean, you watch him, you can tell – if you didn't, if you, even if you didn't notice already, it's been well publicized. But you can see some Kobe mannerisms in him. I'm not saying he's Kobe. Calm down, Laker and Kobe fans. He's not Kobe not right now, but you can see it. You can see the man, just like you can see Jordan mannerisms in Kobe. You can see the Kobe mannerisms, and just in his game, you can see that in Devin Booker. You can see it. Okay, he's got he he's got the Mamba mentality. Now he's got to do some winning. Kobe won. Now, he doesn't have a Shaq. Uh, Devin Booker doesn't, but he has Chris Paul. I mean, just because you don't have a championship does not mean you're not an all time great player. De- I mean, Chris Paul's an all time great point guard, all time great player in general. They have a nice team there. And um, I mean, you got, and then they got depth too, though. Don't get me wrong. Now, they have depth too. They're, DeAndre Ayton is, you know, improved over the last two years. I mean, he I mean, his defense for for me, like his defense is really what, you know, makes him stand out. But he's pretty good offensively as well. He's putting up his points as well. All right. Um, And having a guy. If you're a big man, Chris Paul, like in this era of point guards, the last 15 years, Chris Paul is a guy you want to play with because he's not a score force point guard. I mean, we hear stories about sometimes Devin Booker, when Devin Booker was out, telling Chris Paul, man, shoot more. Go get your shot. Chris Paul is a traditional point guard, you know, a la Jason Kidd, John Stockton, those guys. Magic Johnson, obviously. Magic Johnson is a whole other level, though. But in that sense of he's trying to get his team involved. But Chris Paul, when he wants to be aggressive, he did it in the, uh, the, the Eastern Conference finals. I'm sorry, the Western Conference finals last season. I think he had a 41 point game or something like that. Well, I don't remember if it was the closeout game against the Clippers, but I mean, he, he killed them in that series. They had, they had no answers for him, really. Um, you know, when Chris Paul wants to be aggressive, he can be aggressive. Sometimes he should be a little more aggressive in finding his shot, but that's not his game. He's not a scorer. Okay, he can score, but he, that, that's not his objective. He's not like a lot of these point guard lines. Now, he's not a combo guard. He's a point guard. Like, that dude is a point guard. You want to show somebody how to play point guard? I mean, you know, besides smacking dudes in the nuts, <laughs> show him tape of Chris Paul. <sighs> Sorry, I had to. Like, show him tape, tape of Chris Paul. He's a guy. But getting back to the, to the Warriors, uh, Clay Thompson, Yeah. I, I caught it. I think it's going to be the Warriors, and the, uh, in my opinion. It's going to be the Warriors and the uh, and the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. But Klay Thompson should be back this week. That's what they're targeting. I don't think it's been confirmed yet that he's going to play Sunday against the Cavs. But that's what is being targeted right now. Klay Thompson um, back against the Cavs. So we'll see. I'm, I'm anxious. I think everybody is to see. I think this game is going to be on MTV. NBA TV, not MTV. That'd be something. On uh, NBA TV, I mean, it'd be nice if it would have been a, a national game, me not being in the Bay Area anymore. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, so good luck to Clay uh, coming back. Because I mean, he had – I mean, dude missed two years in a row. He had two gruesome injuries. I mean, it was the ACL and then the Achilles. I mean, that's rough. I mean, luckily we live in a time – I mean, if that happened to him 20 years ago, his career would probably be over. Back-to-back to back, back to back years, those injuries, he'd, be, he'd probably be done. But, you know, modern technology, uh, medicine, thank you. Um, he's able to come back. So we'll see what he has. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But like I said, I'm just going to say it one more time. Warriors, Suns, Western Conference Finals. And then we go from there. We'll see what happens. All right. Let's get into Dirk Nowitzki now. <clears throat> Dirk Nowitzki recently had his, this past week, he had his number, his jersey retired, hung up in the rafters um, by the Dallas Mavericks. Um, he really is their franchise. He Before Dirk, I mean, now they had some years in the 80s. I think their first year in existence was 1980, something like that, 80 or 81, one of those, uh, as far as the Mavs go. They had some years in the 80s, I think, and they made the Western Conference Finals. I want to say they played the Lakers, he was the mid-80s, 84, 85-ish, might have been 86, somewhere in there. But the night, I mean, and then in the 90s, like the the Mavericks, they were when I was growing up in the 90s, man, the Mavericks, they were not good. Even in the days of Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, Jimmy Jackson. Okay. And allegedly them dudes couldn't get along over a woman. (laughs) it happens we got a bunch of young guys now that's alleged okay I'm not saying it happened but that's been the story for years is that's partially what kind of blew that thing up i mean you look back and, it, and we've seen a lot of you know teams with young guys with that much young talent they could have had a chance to be a big three back then even though we weren't saying that using that term but they could have had a chance to be a big three back then Jamal Maffron was a pretty damn good player, especially coming out of college, out of Kentucky. A lot of fanfare around him. He had Jimmy Jackson and Jason Kidd. I mean, that should have been able to grow into something, right? Should have been able to grow into something, but they could not. ah, Dudes couldn't get on. And I think it was more so Jimmy, uh, Jim Jackson and uh, Jason Kidd. I think it was more so those two. Whether it was, you know, because of outside forces or not, whatever reason, it didn't work, allegedly. Allegedly, that's what happened. So, but yeah, the Mavericks, the 90s, they didn't make the playoffs once in the 90s. Not, not one time. 90 to 99, they didn't make the playoffs one time. Dirk was drafted, I want to say 98, and then that was going into the lockout shortened season. So 99, the 98, 99 season, 99, that 50-game season where the um, Spurs won it all. That was his rookie year. And he had a tough rookie year because at the time, you know, back if, people, if you're not old enough, if you weren't old enough to actually watch and follow hoops like that in the 90s, you see all these European players coming in now, and they basically come right in, you know, even if they're not a, a superstar instantly or at all, like the Luca Doncic, they still come in and they, they, they play, they, they fare well, right? In the 90s, it wasn't like that. It was not like that in the 90s. It, it really wasn't. Foreign players, especially the European players, because the games was games, the games were so different as far as the NBA and just American ball as opposed to European ball. It was very different. It was a lot more, a lot more banging down low inside here, especially if you're a big man. Dirt coming in at seven feet, more of a perimeter player, not really, not really a power forward. Even if you get center, not even a power forward really, and very thin. He had a rough rookie season. People did not think he was going to make it a couple years, you know, but a couple years in, he had the Mavericks in the playoffs. And at the time, you know, they had uh, Steve Nash down there, got him from Phoenix. And then eventually he went back to Phoenix and they had their little, you know, four or five year run or whatever. Um, But yeah, they, the Mavericks were relics in the nineties. And then Dirk came in and helped to turn that thing around. And then, of course, you know, um, Mark Cuban bought the team and he took him in the in, in the in the I guess the late 90s. He bought the team and took it in a whole different direction because they were bad. Oh, my goodness. The Mavericks, they were bad. <clears throat> Even in, in, you know, that '93, '94, '95 era where they had Jim Jackson, Jason Kidd and Jamal Mashburn, they were bad. That thing broke up fast. So. <clears throat> they honored Dirk this week and. It was great to see Dirk, you know, Dirk is one of the great players of that, of his era. And Dirk actually got, I mean, if you think about that late 90s, early 2000s era, let's say from around 99 through hell, 2007, really, really through about 2007-ish. That was the era of the Lakers and the Spurs. It was the Lakers won three in a row. Uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, they won. They won three in a row. The Spurs won it in 99. 03, 05 and 07. That was there. That was four right there. Okay. So then you had 04, the Pistons won. And then trying to think 06. That was the heat. But the Heat beat the Mavs. Mavs got there, but and that's my thing. Like Dirk Nowitzki was able to get the Mavericks to an NBA Finals during the era of the Spurs and the Lakers running. Like they dominated the West between them. In in that you know from ninety nine to uh, two thousand seven, they won seven titles between them. They <laughs> from ninety nine to two thousand seven Lakers and The Lakers and the Spurs won seven titles between them. Yeah, yeah, 99 for the Spurs, two thousand three, five, seven, 5, 7. And the Lakers won three in a row, 2000 to 2002. They dominated. They dominated. Whether they, you know, they they just dominated. So for, for Dirk to be able to, from where he started his rookie year, it was a rough year for him, his rookie year no one back then because people... A seven-footer was expected to still play down low in, um, let's say, 2000. Even in 2000. A seven-footer was expected to play down low. That's how it was. That was still the era of the big man. Okay, It was still that era of the big man. That wasn't Dirk's game. Now, he got better at it over time, but Dirk is one of the first seven like true seven footers that I were that I can remember could really shoot from deep and like I don't mean like you know now they didn't shoot the three as much back then and he had a mid-range game as well but he's one of the first big men that really was like okay yeah he can really make this regularly not just you know here and there if you take it he'll make it like he can shoot them regularly he can take five in a game and make three a lot of times <laughs> that was, you know, was, yeah, you know, two, two of three, if he shot that many. So that that was Dirk, and especially to do it for a franchise that really had no—I mean, not really—they had no history of winning, not championships. Again, they got to one Western Conference Finals before he got there. That was in the '80s, and in the '90s, they didn't make the playoffs one time. '90 90 to '99, they did not make the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs. They had a long drought. All right. So for him to kind of help build that culture, to, you know, build that team, help build that team. Um, now, of course we know now they had other stuff going on behind the scenes. Eventually that was not great, but um, we talking about Dirk on the court. Um on the court, he helped build that team culture of winning. You might say, yeah, he only won one title, and that was in 2011. That's fine. They got to two finals. And had, he had rough t- other, other rough times, too. The year after making the finals against the Heat in 06, the very next year, they're the number one seed, and they get bounced out by the Warriors, the, the we believe Warriors in the first round in 2007. Hey, that happened the very next year after making it to the finals against the Heat. And that was the year Dirk won MVP. I think it was 07. <laughs> the year he won the MVP. So, <sighs> and you get an early out like that. That's never fun. And I think at that time, they might have been only the second or third number one seed to be bounced out by the eighth seed. We've seen it a couple more times, but it doesn't happen often. It just does. It does not happen often. And Dirk was a part of that. But he got his, you know, he got his he got his flowers the other day. And the only thing left for him now is the is the Hall of Fame. Wherever you want to place him all time, obviously he's not a top five player all time. Probably not even top 10. I think he's top 25 for sure. He might be able to make an argument for him. Top 20, I'm not sure. But I think he's. Somewhere around time. And I'm probably forgetting people, but probably top 25 all time. I think you can give him that. I think it really means something when you do it with a franchise that has no history of winning. I'm not saying that when somebody goes to the Lakers or is drafted by the Lakers or they go there as a free agent or to the Celtics or whatever, and they win championships there doesn't mean anything. But those teams, those franchises, they already have a history of knowing how to win. The Mavericks had no history of knowing how to win. They, they did not. Dirk helped implement that. It would have been nice, I thought, if he could have done it with, um, while Steve Nash was there. Now, Steve Nash was already gone by the time they even got to the first finals in 06. I believe he was already gone back to Phoenix as a starter, but he was behind Jason Kidd when he was first drafted and when he first got to Phoenix as a rookie. He backed up Jason Kidd for a couple of years, so, and then eventually he became who he became. But um, yeah, Dirk is Dirk's an all time great. Only thing left for him now, like I said, is the Hall of Fame. That's going to come soon, I think. He's a couple years out now. I think he needs one more year out, and I think he'll be eligible next year um, when that time comes around. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, congratulations to Dirk Nowitzki, and I mean. Luka Doncic even talked about what he meant to him, his rookie year, because that was, I think, year, his year 19, his last year, was Luca's rookie year. So it was like a, a smooth little transition to hand the team over to Luca because by that point, you know, he wasn't lucky enough to still be the, the great player that LeBron is in his year 19 uh, for Dirk. He, he had slowed down. I mean, it had been a couple years in the making. You knew it was the end. He just didn't have it like he used to. And I mean, that's just normal. Everybody can't be LeBron James and be 37, 38, and still be a top five player in the league. Dirk had his time. It had passed. They passed it on to Luka. And now I said this, you know, I wrote about this for uh, Deadspin. Um, now it's time for Luka to take, you know, take this and continue. The only way he can – as great as you know, as much as we love Luca, everyone wants to crown him already, and you know he's going to win MVP. People called it last year; he was going to win it. People called it before this year. He's not winning MVP this year. He's not. He's, he's not going to do it. He needs to get out of the first round first. Until he can bring a champ, another the second championship to Dallas, Dirk is always going to be number one there. I don't care what numbers Luca puts up because he's put he's put up phenomenal numbers. I mean, if you look at the all time records right now as we speak Dirk has most of them but there are a few scoring records um, that Luka has already passed Dirk okay there's a few scoring records where he's already taken over from Dirk Nowitzki but Dirk still has the majority of most of the records for the Mavs he just does I mean you play 19 years at the level he did for you know 15 or 16 of those you know you had a year or two of, year two or so at the beginning where he was building it up and then a year or two at the end where he was coming down, like at the end, but in between there, I mean, he was phenomenal. And he played in an era where you had guys like Kobe, Shaq, D Wade, and then even LeBron, eventually Kevin Durant. He had, I mean, even Steph Curry came around in uh, what? Oh nine started really, you know, making his way up the charts around, you know, 2013 or so. Tim Duncan was in that era. Sorry, how could I forget Tim Duncan? Yeah, Tim Dun- I mean, so you had so many guys in, in his era that were just phenomenal superstars and some megastars. He carved out a nice little niche down there in Dallas for himself and got him a championship, okay? The same comparisons you hear now <clears throat> about Luka to Larry Bird, you heard the same ones 20, 15 years ago about – Dirk. I said it then. He's not Dirk. I mean, he's not Larry, but he's damn close. Okay. He, he was damn close. All right. I say the same thing about Luca. No, he's not Larry. He needs to get closer. Like, let's let Luca get out of the first round first. All right. Let's let him do some winning. Okay. Let's let him do some winning and, you know, we can hold on. I mean, he's a great scorer. That's fine. Let's see him do a little more as far as picking his team up and doing more in that sense. I mean, and there's a lot of guys that can score in the NBA. Everybody can't win. All right. So that means that still means something. It does. It still means something. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into, uh, so uh, again, congratulations, Dirk Nowitzki on the uh, retirement ceremony. And next up is the hall of fame. That, that's the last thing on this uh, basketball journey for him. As far as the NBA goes and professional. So here we go. Next up, Julius Randle. <laughs> Julius Randle's been – I guess he's been getting heckled lately because the Knicks haven't played, you know, up to expectation. After last season, even though they lost to the Hawks in the first round after last season, they had a good year, kind of out of nowhere, and Julius Randle kind of became the guy for them. Things have not gone according to plan so far this year, so I guess he's been getting heckled, and he decided to lash you know, to, to, to hit back and lash out at fans <clears throat> that have been booing him. So, you know, in their game against the Celtics last night, which they came back, they were down. I, don't, I honestly don't remember how many points the Celtics were up by. They had a, they had a nice double-digit lead <clears throat> that they let go, of course. Knicks came back and won. They beat them with a, you know, uh, Barrett, <laughs> Barrett J.R. Barrett. He hit a shot at the buzzer off the back, off the glass and the, and the garden just erupted. But Julius Randle, at one point in the game, he hit a shot and then he comes back up the court and he gives the fans a thumb down because they've been booing him recently. They, um, on TNT, they talked about it after the game, Charles Barkley and the guys, they were not a fan of this. Charles, Kenny Smith, those guys, are, they're crazy. Um, Shaq, they weren't a fan. Ernie, they were not a fan of this. Charles Barkley said, I never understand why players think you're supposed to get cheered when you're playing bad. And I get it. I kind of get it. Then he goes on to say, no, you're going to get booed when you're playing bad and you're going to get cheered when you win. That's, you know, that's kind of that's what it is. That's kind of what it is. But we do live in a different era. And you know how it is today. If you're not praising someone all the time, like it, like it, a lot, it feels like a lot of players feel like since you're a fan of the team, you should always be on our side no matter what we do. That's just not real. That's just, that's not real life. It's not realistic. That'd be great, but it's just not realistic. Now, some fan bases are worse than others. Okay. You got your New York's, got your Phillies. You, don't, you know, those fan bases, they're going to let you know when you're not playing them. Celtics too, Boston. They're gonna when you're not playing up to par, they're gonna let you know. Okay, other fan bases, not so much, or they may be a little nicer about it. But you know, and, and maybe it's something to do with the Northeast. I don't know. I don't know. Julius Randle was not a fan, and he's not having it. He's giving back the thumbs down. He he don't care. I guess he just finally got fed up and said, "You know what? This is for you." I guess he could have he could have given him you know another finger pointing up, but he didn't. He gave him a thumbs down. So I guess he it, that was kind of mild and tame. But you know, players, I wouldn't worry about it. Fans are gonna be fans. Now, I don't have a problem with fans uh, booing. You know, even if you just want to say somebody sucks, whatever. I don't do that. I lie. You know, I don't like to go there. But you know, if you want to say somebody sucks, but it, when it goes into, you know being profane or getting personal throwing slurs and all this, I'm I'm not with all that. Okay. I think fans, you know, they they need to be called out and held accountable on that kind of stuff as well. So and the same thing, you know, with players. We don't want players going into the stands and confronting fans, but sometimes I get it eventually somebody hits you, you know, catch you on the wrong day. Like they say, you know, I got time today. So Julius Randle had time last night. In a win, luckily they won again. But Julius, I wouldn't worry about it, man. Okay, y'all got to win, man. That's the only way to really fix that. Because even though he he gave him a thumbs down, they're still gonna boo him. Sometimes they're still gonna boo him. They don't care. They are still going to boo him. Okay, that's gonna happen. That that's that's just gonna happen. Okay, you're not gonna stop them from booing you just going about your business. Go out there and kill it like you know you can. Knicks played a great game last night, came back. The Celtics, I don't know what's going on with the Celtics, but um, I, there's so much going on with the Celtics, I don't have enough time to get into that right now. I'm just not going to go there right now. We'll talk about them at a later date. Um, but Julius Randle, now, it was funny, though. <clears throat> to me, it was funny. Him running back down the court, giving them the thumbs down. They didn't like it, of course, and it's not going to stop them from booing him. It's just not. It's not going to stop them. They're going to if they don't play well, if he doesn't play well, he's going to get booed, whether it's at home or on the road. He's going to he's going to get booed. Start winning more games, you know. Put together a nice little ten game win streak, and you'll be fine. Okay, stay consistent. That's what the fans want. That's all they want. They want they want a winner, and New York is you know waiting on a winner. And it, they wanted to be the Knicks. I know the Nets have the better team. But if you know anyone from New York, ask them. Most people are Knicks fans. They just are. The Nets were in New Jersey for years. Okay. It was, probably, it was even worse of a discrepancy when, when they were there. Now, some of these younger kids coming up may eventually be more Nets fans. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, Julius Randle, man, y'all got to win. And you're the lead dog, so you got to lead that. You have to lead that, okay? You, you need to lead that. I know it's been tough for whatever reason for Nick – well, you know, not great management there, ownership, but uh, it's been tough for them to get stars there via free agency. And they haven't hit on any stars, superstars, really, in the draft over the years. They haven't. So, I, hell, since, since Patrick Ewing, really – I mean, let's just be honest. No Knicks draft pick has been as good as Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing was drafted in 1985. So it's been a long time. It's been a very long time for the Knicks. But I do believe that when the Knicks are good and the Lakers are good, teams like that, the Celtics, it does mean something a little more for the league. Um, All three of those teams are kind of down right now. Now, Lakers just won a championship a couple years ago. So, you know, they're, they're not as far down as the other two, but, and, and even the Celtics they've been to the Easter conference finals within the last few years, a few times. So it's the Knicks, the Knicks, they, they got a last year was a start. last year was a start for the Knicks, but they need to keep improving on that. And Julius Randle, since he's the guy right now, he's got to be the catalyst to that. He just has to be, if he doesn't want to get booed by his own fans. It's New York city, dog. Like they're, they're not with the shenanigans. They're, they're They're not, they want a winner. They're hungry for a winner. They, they are fropping frothing at the mouth for a winner. Last year was a start get to the playoffs, but you have to continue that this season and you got to get out of the first round. You have to, that's the only way to really keep the fans on your side is to continue to win and to progress. So until that happens, they're probably going to keep doing you, Julius Randall. That's just a heads up. They're probably going to keep doing you. All right. Just don't let it it get to you. All right. This has been Episode 30 of the Courtside Crossover with Chris Partee. Thank you again for joining us. Again, find us on FullPressCoverage.com and the Full Press Coverage app. Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else. For the most part that you find podcasts, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Partee. We'll check you out next week. Peace out.